Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. For five weeks now, we, most of us, have focused in on a study of the 50 Days to Vitality, a devotion that grew out of a passion to be a Great Commission church. What that means is we want to be a church that is centered on what is known as the Great Commission. We'll get there in a moment, but it's literally the last three verses of the Gospel of Matthew. In a nutshell, it's Jesus saying, go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey, and remember, I'm with you always. Now, many of us would say, I could guess that before you even started to summarize it, Paul. You mentioned the Great Commission, you mentioned that phrase, and I'm all over it. Most of us could even say, We believe in it. Jesus said that's what we should be doing. And that's what we said 20 years ago when we relocated here from a, we were across the street from Duke's Grill in January of 2000. We had our first worship service here. As a part of that, we wrote a mission statement. That mission statement that still exists in some of our literature had the Great Commission as the basis for forming that mission statement. So, yeah, we, we know it. We believe in the Great Commission. We just never really acted on it, at least not to the extent that we are capable of. That's why so much effort behind our renewed focus, or should I say renewed vision, 2020 and all. Some of y'all will get that, and some of you won't. <laughs> Look, all along, our church has existed over 80 years. All along, we've been a body of believers who has worshiped Jesus Christ, no doubt about it. But what we're talking about now is stepping in to be a body of believers who worship Jesus Christ and obeys Him. Basically, the question for us to answer by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit is this. How do we, at Benton Heights Presbyterian Church, live out the Great Commission? Just to make sure we're clear and why it's important that we become a Great Commission church, because you could say, aren't we a good church? Aren't we a strong and healthy church? Aren't we friendly and caring, a church that looks out for each other? And in many ways, the overwhelming answer is yes. Don't we look for ways to be involved in the community and make a difference? Yes. Can't we just keep what we're doing? Yes, we can. And you know why we'd be prone to keep doing what we've been doing? Because it's comfortable. But Jesus' mission was and is to seek and save the lost. That phrase comes from Luke 19, verse 10. We're going to study it in two weeks. So Jesus' mission was and is to seek and save the lost, and He sends us out on a mission to do the same. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the only thing we focus on, as if we stop caring for each other and stop looking for ways to grow in our walk with the Lord. But here's the big idea. 
The caring and the growing are only a part of it. There's so much more that God wants us to be and do. Now, with that set up, you're probably thinking, okay, Paul, where are you going with this? Because that sounds like a lot of stepping into unknowns, and that's a little scary. Actually, it's a little exciting. Primarily for the two promises that we have from Jesus. His promise of authority, His promise of presence. And those two promises are contained in the Great Commission. So, all right, we've hinted at it. We've hit all around it. Let's read what Matthew's gospel has to say at the very end. Oh, but before we do that, one more thing. This comment from Jesus, this commission that comes at the end of Matthew's gospel means that it comes after Jesus has risen. This is days after the Easter event where Jesus has died on a cross in our place for our sins, and on the third day, He rises because death cannot keep Him, the tomb cannot contain Him. And on that resurrection Sunday, the risen Jesus meets with some of His women followers and says, go tell my disciples to go to Galilee. There they will see me. That's earlier in Matthew 28, now in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Now, scholars are really divided on how this last phrase goes. Who doubted? Was it that the eleven disciples worshipped, but Matthew had in mind some others that were there that day that doubted? Was it that some of the 11 disciples doubted, you know, is this really Jesus? I mean, could it really be Him coming back? Or could some of them have doubted while in the midst of worshiping Him? No one knows for sure, but what is important is that Jesus was the object of their worship. You see, the Bible is very clear. There's Only one true God, and only He alone is to be worshipped. Just as a note, Matthew records only one other time that Jesus was worshipped prior to His resurrection. You see, as much as the disciples struggle to understand just who Jesus was during His earthly ministry, it's only after a personal encounter with the risen Lord that they are convinced who He is. You know, the same is true for us. It's only after you have a personal encounter with the risen Lord that you are absolutely convinced who Jesus is, that He really is God with us, that He was more than a great teacher. He is Lord. He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of kings, the one about whom Daniel wrote 600 years prior. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus repeats this Himself in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So here's the Great Commission. This is Jesus' command, Jesus' mandate, Jesus' commission to the 11 disciples and through them to us. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Here is the second important feature of the Great Commission. Worship is of first importance. Discipleship is also important. And notice that they are to remain disciples themselves That is, followers of Jesus themselves growing in knowledge and holy living through an intimate relationship with Jesus. But they are also to do discipling, to help others learn and grow in their walk with Christ, putting into practice what they have learned by studying, living out, reading, staying in God's Word. Only then can the disciples... Then and now, make an impact. It's by being in prayer, as well as teaching others to communicate with God through prayer. It's about understanding right doctrine so you know what's false and you're able to refute it. It's about being a difference maker in the community and beyond as they're actively involved in service to neighbor in the name of Jesus. He said this elsewhere in John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The key is we do what we do in the name of Jesus. Otherwise, we're no different than any social club. Now, don't get me wrong. Social clubs can do great things. A lot of ways in which they can help the community. But you see, only the church can go in the power and presence of Jesus Christ. So our discipleship has as its goal to be world changers with the good news of Jesus Christ. Also understood in this command to go and make disciples of all nations is the third feature of the Great Commission, and that is outreach. We're instructed to go, to go and and be a blessing In our case, go and invite others in to see and hear and experience the grace, the good news of Jesus Christ for themselves. And it's to also go out and meet the needs of those outside the church so that they would be introduced to the love of Jesus, the one who died to forgive them of their sins and free them to live transformed lives by the grace of God. Outreach, then, are all the events that we host on a regular basis that brings the community into our place. Events like the barbecue, vacation Bible school, the fall festival, the monthly food pantry. Outreach is also the ministries we engage in outside these walls. For the first time, starting next Sunday, we're going to take the Alpha course away from our church building. And we're going to go to the campus of Wingate University. And we're doing a little bit more of an abbreviated version, but for nine weeks. And we want your prayers to cover that. That the students there on the campus will just fall in love all over again. Or maybe for the first time, 
with who Jesus is as they truly hear it. Other ministries outside of these walls, the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, we love doing that. Not only gathering them, but going to the distribution center and helping put those together. Or it's reaching out to the homeless and others in need in our downtown Monroe events. Or it's the West Virginia trips. Or it's any other of the numerous mission trips we support, send volunteers to, or supply. But again, outreach is only outreach if it includes this very important component, the announcing of God's good news. We call it evangelism. Just hearing that word, especially in a Presbyterian church, kind of sends our nerves up a little bit, doesn't it? Some of you still have the notion that evangelism is going out to the busiest of intersections and holding up signs that say, you're going to hell. Well, if evangelism is good news, that's not evangelism. Besides, it's not up to any of us to save anyone. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Ours is to tell the Jesus story, to plant the seed that will elicit a response, hopefully a response of faith and obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. Outreach is great, but by itself, it's good works. We want good works that point people to Jesus. So evangelism is simply giving someone the clear message of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Now, if you want to know more about how to do that, on Sunday the 23rd, two weeks from now, when we meet at 9.30 for our final look at the 50 Days to Vitality devotional, instead of being here just for five minutes and then going to our small groups, we're going to remain in here. And it's a way to begin to learn again how to do evangelism so that we then are baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is Jesus speaking this. And you know, boy, you take all these components of the Great Commission that we've talked about, worship, discipleship, outreach, evangelism. You take all that together, it seems like, man, what a daunting task. How can we do any of it, much less do any of it well? Well, I'll tell you. Actually, Jesus has already told us. Remember verse 18? We are already under His authority. Jesus has authority. And it's under that authority that He sends us out. So that authority comes to us. So we get to live out, and we get to go on mission with Him. And here's the cool thing. He's always going to be there. He finishes, as Matthew finishes his gospel, Jesus saying, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So taking our cue from the Great Commission, to be a Great Commission church means... Jesus has to have the priority in our lives. It's all about Him. Therefore, worship is the most important thing we do as a church. And worship is not about a time frame. It's not about a style. Worship is about adoration, devotion, praise, honor, love, 
the only one who is worthy. That's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And then there's discipleship. Our own ongoing relationship with the living Lord while enabling others to learn and grow and obey. Third, there's outreach where everything we do has to start taking into consideration the unreached. And lastly, there's evangelism. Telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because only in Jesus Christ is there true joy in the midst of any circumstance. Only in Jesus Christ is there real freedom from sin, guilt, and shame. Only in Jesus Christ is there the promise of eternity in a kingdom that lasts forever. Do you know that God loves you and wants you to experience life and peace The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So why don't more people have peace and abundant life that God has planned for them? Sin. Sin separates us from a holy and perfect God. The Bible says... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you know, there is nothing you and I can do to bridge that separation. Good works won't bridge that separation of sin. Religion won't. Morality won't. Philosophy won't. So what's the solution to the separation? There's only one way. God provides the remedy through the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, for by His wounds you have been healed. The only thing left is your response. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.